This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of Baltimore Postgame Uncensored on 105.7 The Fan, with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. Ravens lose 24-17, which officially ends their season. So now we are in off-season mode. And I told Cordell that I think that we should – start this podcast off on a good note um because you know we got it's a lot of bad here but mm-hmm. there was also a lot of good that I think should be acknowledged and I would like to do that first um because I think that that's fair to do and there's a this defense is what really um is the bright spot of what this game looked like yesterday um you had 13 points was off of turnovers, but only um, six of those were the defense gave up. We know that the other seven came from the fumble uh, from the offense, but ultimately, um, Cordell, this defense played extremely well. When you look at the statistics that happened with this defense uh, last night, uh, on Sunday night, I, I apologize, it is really telling about what it is that they did 234 total yards didn't even give give up 300 yards of offense against this Bengals offense 50 uh only 51 yards of rushing yards um you know they did really well in this game and you know I, I can't say enough I felt strongly about giving Mike McDonald a chance to kind of just get let this this defense go as it may. Sometimes things don't work right away. And we talked about that early in the season. Now, obviously, Roquan Smith came in a trade, and it changed a whole lot of things. But I, I really feel like, in addition to them adding Roquan, this defense had a lot of good pieces in it. And you start to see guys contributing that we talked about early on in the season. Kyle Hamilton, a guy that we was, were like, well, what's going on with him? Is he even going to hit? Has now become this guy that that hits dudes, makes and creates turnovers. Away showed up uh, in the playoff game finally. Um, and so this was one of, to me, the best overall defense performances that we saw from this team all season long, despite what the score tells you. And I say that because of the guys that they were playing against. You got a Bengals team that has essentially two number one wide receivers, a really good running back, a great number three with uh, Boyd and, you know, uh, Hurst as their tight end. So, look, the defense – 
you can say, okay, Marcus Peterson had the best day. And guess what? It doesn't even matter to me because overall they played so well that the little bit of weaknesses that they might have shown completely was overshadowed by how well they played. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things to unpack, but yeah, to, <laughs> I, I'm, I am glad that we're starting on a positive note. The defense is the positive thing. And even yes. if you're talking about going forward and looking ahead, um, the defense is what gives you optimism. They've got a lot of their key players locked up for the next couple of years. Contractually, they've got some young talent that we got to get a look at this year and rookie Kyle Hamilton, who we saw get better as the year went on. And they've also got some other young talent that's kind of intriguing guys like uh, David Ajabo, who we really didn't get to see a lot of this year. But you you wonder if, you know, he's going to be a guy that can make plays for this defense going forward. And they're going to need him to because we don't know the, the future of Justin Houston. We don't know if he'll be retiring or anything like that. Calais Campbell as well. So there will be openings for guys along that front. And David Ajabo being a year removed from, you know, his his injury that kept him out majority of the of the year. Um, I think we will be closer to getting the real David Ajabo next year. Yeah. Even Adafi Owe, and we talked to, we've talked about Adafi Owe a lot this year. And um, not in a good way, by the way. Not in a good way. Not at all. Uh, I'm probably one of the main people um, that's just leading the pack, to be honest with you, on on Adafi Owe. But at the same time, this is a guy, and even we talked to him uh, on Monday as the players were clearing out their lockers, and he was asked if he felt like his shoulder surgery his shoulder that he had surgery on over the offseason had an impact on this year and he acknowledged that he, he thought it did that he didn't have an offseason this past year that he just went straight into the season right into shoulder surgery right into rehab and if you remember he was out there at mini camp I mean he he didn't miss any organized event that the Ravens had this year so you know he he did acknowledge that he he dealt with that throughout the year, but he he liked the way that he finished the year and he wants to build on that. And you look, know, you watched the game Sunday night. I'm going to say it again. I think I've said it a lot of times down the stretch of the season. This defense played well enough to win. And yep. a lot of the games that the Ravens have lost this year, the defense has done more than enough to get a victory. I will go as far as to say, I think that this is a that this was a championship level defense. I think that you could win a Super Bowl with the defense that the Ravens have. That being said, you got to get more in, in this day and age. You got to get more. This is why I kind of laughed a little bit when people bring up um, the uh, uh, Trent Delfer Super Bowl situation because, granted, this defense ain't as good as the 2000 Ravens defense. By no means am I saying that, but I just. I just feel like this day and age in the NFL, defense alone isn't going to cut it. You, you, you could have the best defense in the league, and you're not, you know, that doesn't guarantee you anything. The San Francisco 49ers have the best defense in the league right now statistically, but had their offense not been as explosive as it is, we wouldn't be looking at the, the Niners the way that we do. So yep. you just you have to be able to do something on the other side of the ball. And we'll get to them later. But I thought defensively they took the game to the Bengals. I thought that they were the more physical team. I thought to, to a degree, I thought that the Ravens had taken all the momentum going into the halftime, even to start the second half. They got the long drive going. And, you know, we know what happened on the, uh, the, uh, the fumble late in the game. But overall, up until that fumble, I genuinely thought the Ravens were about to win the game. I didn't yeah. think that to start the game. 
to start the game, it looked a little weird. You know, they fall behind nine to nothing, but they come back. They score two touchdowns in a game for the first time since Thanksgiving. I mean, <laughs> you, you, the defense had done everything right. They were yeah. the more physical ones. They're not giving up the big plays. The one thing that was bothering me was that they weren't getting off the field on third downs. Yes. Um, but overall, I don't think that anybody can, can really complain about the way that this defense played Sunday night or this season as a whole. They started off very slow, no yeah. doubt. Roquan Smith joining this defense gave them the spark that they it, it put them over the edge. You know, it, it it catapulted them into being one of the best defensive units in in the league. So, um, it's it's not the way you want to go out and just talking to guys like Calais Campbell in the locker room. And you know, he Calais is still, I think, in in a little bit of shock. Uh, you know, he he spoke, he spoke to the media and him guys like him and Chuck Clark I think was eating them up is the fact that they played good enough to win the game yeah you know you 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 hear these guys talking and they they almost feel like Cincinnati may have gotten away with one um they they may they may have stole stolen one and you you know you got to wonder what the future holds uh for Calais Campbell um, but I, I think that the future is bright for this defense. It just sucks that so many times down the stretch of the season this year, they played well enough to win, yet they weren't able to come out with a victory. Yeah, and, and this is why you have to play the game, right? You know, we've seen, you know, Miami go toe-to-toe with the Bills with a number three quarterback. We've seen, you know, certain things play along this season and so from a roster perspective if someone looked at both rosters you would say that the Bengals is the better roster understandably right because offensively they have so many weapons but ultimately I think that the defense of the Ravens has enough weapons to neutralize them a bit and Roquan Smith said it you know look he didn't feel like the best team won he felt like that they were the best team last night and maybe he was right the problem though you know obviously is one once again, turnovers. And look, the defense didn't get any. Uh, what well, they did. I'm sorry. I apologize. Because I don't want to disrespect you, Kyle Hamilton. You yeah. definitely got one. And you got it on Hayden Hurst. And then they did score. But the but prior to that, they had struggled to get turnovers the last few weeks. And so, you know, two turnovers over one, um, which is what happened, is it's probably going to put you in some type of trouble. That being said, you know, once again, they went into the second half and really didn't allow the Bengals to do much of anything. Similar to last week, you know, they, they made some adjustments. They found some ways to, to neutralize some guys. And ultimately, the Bengals really weren't in a position to, to you know, strike the way that they probably would have liked, which is why it's hilarious, Cordell, because all week long I kept hearing how, you know, um, they, you know, the Bengals was playing this vanilla offense. And while I don't think that they, you know, pulled all out of, pulled all of their, you know, surprises out in week 18 by any means, this offense has never been one that, that caused, that has trickery or one that has all these elaborate designs. They are very basic to begin with because their skill players are so good. They don't need to do no extra stuff to move yeah. the ball. And so what happened? The same thing that happened in the week 
18 game, it's the same thing that happened in the playoff game. You were, you were, look, they made some moves, like you said, on third down. They weren't great. They were seven for 13 in conversions on third down, the Bengals. Um, but that's overall. I had to look, I would have to look at what they were in the second half, which I promise you it wasn't that great. So, nah, yeah. I mean, at one point, they, they were seven for nine on uh, third downs and they finished the game seven for 13. They well, were two for six. They were okay. two for six in the second half on third down. So, yeah, it, it definitely calmed down. Uh, you know, on the back end of the game, I think the Bengals, because uh, at one point the Ravens were seven, the, the Bengals were seven for ten on third down, so they they didn't convert on their on their last three. Right. So so saying that tells you how much that they tightened up defensively as that game went on, similar to last week. And again, the Bengals didn't do anything spectacular. It's not they're not a spectacular offense in terms of scheme. They're spectacular in terms of personnel. That's what makes them really good. And so you had a third offensive lineman go out. You know, they they look, they barely got out of there scratching and clawing because they were struggling with having to deal with their offensive line. And then uh, uh, the Ravens finally finding a way to make sure that they weren't converting. And so I'm just trying to understand. You know, I, I I completely understand why this defense feels the way that they do today. You know, I'm trying to understand why people think that this Bengals offense is 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 just so dominant when the Ravens have shown you that they can be neutralized. They can. They literally did not get 300 yards overall in the game in the wild card game. So you know. It sucks because they did everything that they could. They literally did everything that they could. Need a turnover? Get one. You know what I'm saying? Stop them on third down late in the game? Do that. They did all of these things, and yet somehow it just wasn't enough to win. But, I mean, if, you, if you're if you the, the defense for the Ravens, how proud are you, in spite of everything, in spite of everything, how proud of you – do you feel that you gave your team an opportunity to come out with a win that nobody pretty much saw coming though? Yeah, I, I think that they're definitely a proud group. I think, you know, just talking to a lot of them in the locker room, I think that they're all proud in their effort that they gave. They all thought that they played well enough to win. And um, they, they out, they out bullied those dudes, you know, uh, get to the middle of the game, middle of the third quarter. I, like I said, really up until that fumble, it, you you felt like it was a game that the Ravens were dictating. You know, they they imposed their will on Cincinnati. Since and and you're right, the Bengals weren't doing anything necessarily spectacular. Um, they were just living off of a lot of just hitch routes and yep. and short and intermediate routes and yep. trying to make a guy miss in the open field. I was kind of surprised to see the Ravens continue to give as much cushion as they were giving them, considering they weren't really doing anything down the field, but I understand you have to respect the speed of Jamar Chase and those guys. So I, I totally get it, but I, I would have liked to see them try to tighten up a little bit, a, a couple of those times to cut off some of those short routes, um, especially considering the pass rush was actually pretty decent. I thought yeah. in that game, I mean, Adafi Owe manages to get two sacks in the game. Um, a couple of other guys pitched in Justin Houston gets, gets himself a sack. So I thought that, you know, they did everything that you could that you could almost ask for. And it just still simply wasn't enough. Um, but I, I've said this on other podcasts, uh, on other episodes, Rita, like we could talk until we're blue in the face about the defense and what they didn't do. And 
you know, this is an offensive league. It, it, it really is. The defense can only do but so much. The defense's job in this day and age of football is really just to keep your team in the game. It's not to win you the game. Defenses don't win championships anymore. I, I don't I don't buy that slogan anymore. They they really don't. I, I think you it's a total. It takes a really a total team effort, and that doesn't even mean uh, that both sides of the ball have to be great. Like you look at a team like Kansas city, their defense isn't great, but their defense just does enough to, uh, to, uh, to accommodate the offense. They, they, they do enough just to, to pick up the slack, just to hold you to that 24 points because they know their offense can get 30. Like yeah. that's, you, you just need some uh, the other side of the ball to compliment you well enough. And down the stretch, this offense did not compliment this defense good enough. I mean, this defense is holding people to, tw- you know, to, to the low twenties. That's, that's all you can really ask for the days of holding teams to 13 and 17 every week. It's over. It's too easy yeah. to score in this league. It's too easy to move the football. It's I mean, unless you're unless you're the Ravens offense uh, on the back end <laughs> of the year. But, you know, it, it, you, you have to do something uh, because your defense is only as good as, as your offense allows them to be. They yep. could be the best defensive unit in the league. But if the offense is going to go out there and score three points every week, they're going to lose or, or create turnovers and put them in unfortunate yeah. uh, field positions. Exactly. And, and you're, you're, you can't you you can't have a situation and I don't want to talk too much about the offense until we get into that segment but it, it just doesn't do the defense any favors when you're giving up points when they're not even on the field I mean that's the ultimate smack in the face right there I completely agree another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get into our second segment, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast so that every time there is a new episode, you will be the first to receive it. All right, Cordell, so we got the good out the way. Um, this is actually the ugly. I, you know, somebody will say it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I, I'm sorry. This is the ugly. Um, and it's sad it because it's sad because it, it, it wasn't always ugly. It, it, the, the whole offensive, you know, game was not always ugly but how it ended is what's ugly and that's what makes this an ugly part as opposed to a bad part so let's just start with it's not funny but I I I cannot stop laughing Cordell at the ideal that a guy who was six feet even maybe thought that at the two yard line he thought he was going to jump over linemen that are at minimum six four and higher 
to get into the end zone so they can score. <laughs> wasn't even yeah. inside the one. Wasn't even yeah. inside. That I think that that's the part that that baffles me the most, Cordell, is that they was at the two yard line. So you thought that you was going to jump two feet and you six feet. I don't. I don't understand the logic behind the decision to jump uh, <laughs> over the over the line, reach the ball. Reaching the ball out is the more egregious thing to me. If you're going to jump, okay. I mean, whatever. That you know, just don't compound a bad decision with another bad decision. When you're jumping over, you, you to reach the ball out. I mean, you you can't protect the ball at that point. It's either you're going to break the plane or you're going to fumble. It's one or right. the two. Right. And you, you're you're so far out. I'm not. I I wasn't in love with the play call to begin with. I would have preferred, especially considering it's third down. I would have preferred yeah. to. And it sounded like from John, who talked after the game, he said that they were looking at a two down situation right there. Yeah. So it seems like they were going to go for it anyway. Cool. But they do that on fourth down. They do that on fourth that's, down. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. If you're going to do, if you're going for it anyway. Why not give it to J.K. or Gus and see if they can, if not score, get you inside the one to where it's you're literally inches away from the goal line. And then if you yep. want to do the quarterback sneak from that point, I'm I'm cool with that. But to do the quarterback sneak on the I mean, that was a long yard. The ball, I, I, I took some screenshots and I put it up on Twitter like the ball is marked at the beginning of the one yard little marker on the field so that that little hash so that is the longest yard possible and then you can see in the separate screenshot that i put up they got zero push there was no push from the interior even if he was supposed to go low he would have he probably would have lost a yard to be honest with you he he, he would have lost a yard he, he wasn't going anywhere they didn't make any push he wasn't going to squeak through the middle of the line i, I just i think that is one of the things that has burnt this team all year poor red zone play calling poor short yardage play calling poor fourth down play calling and, and just, poor execution because i'm not going to give poor, i'm not going to give players execution. the benefit and, of the doubt poor either execution. no doubt no doubt poor execution uh as, as well it's it's all of the things that have haunted this team all year and and what did it do it literally cost them their season it cost them their season. Oh, J.K. Dobbins was very vocal after the game, letting it be known. He felt like he should have been more involved. He wants this team to lean on him and give him the ball. And Rita, we talked about it a little bit on the post game show. Is sometimes if I didn't if I didn't cover the Ravens, if I was a guy that watched the Ravens every blue moon, you know, only watched them on prime time or something like that. I almost would not know who the who the main running back is on this team. I really wouldn't. <laughs> and, and, and that's not a slight at Gus Edwards. I love Gus Edwards. But you have to go with your workhorse at, at a, to a degree. Your backup is your backup, and your starter is your starter. You can't go out there and say, oh, I got a 1A starter and a 1B guy. Like, they're, they're, it's, it's tough. These running backs live off of getting in a rhythm, being able to wear defenses down. The more carries they get, they are late in the game. It's tough for a running back to get into any type of groove when you're getting 13 carries in a game. I mean, and I, I just, 
for Dobbins, I don't think that he said the things that he said after the game to kind of throw the team under the bus. I think he was just genuinely frustrated. And because if you heard him talk on Friday, he said that, you know, he was ready for the team to kind of ride his back and he, and he take them, you know, to the divisional round. Like yeah. he was ready to be the guy and carry the load. And he felt like he was robbed of that. And he's been robbed of that really since he's been in Baltimore. I mean, you think back to his rookie year, they were reluctant yeah. to kind of give him the keys because Mark Ingram was there. And I get it. Mark Ingram, it came off of a career year the year yep. before but it was evident earlier in that year that Mark Ingram was not still that same guy. The Ravens waited way too long uh, to give J.K. Dobbins the keys to the car. Then fast forward the next year, he's hurt in preseason, and he continues to bring that up, how he was hurt in the preseason and basically was robbed of a year. And then even this year, he comes back. He's not all the way right. He goes against the scope. It comes back, and he's the leading rusher in the league since he has returned. Yeah. This is a guy that has shown – he can play. And they have, they've been, Greg Roman has gotten in his own way. Even if we sit here and say, okay, Gus Edwards, we, he, you got to keep him involved. I'm for that. But how do you explain taking carries away from J.K. Dobbins to give them to Mark Andrews? I mean, how do you explain this? <laughs> this is, these are the things that I'm talking about when I say Greg Roman gets in his own way. We, it, we've seen it too many times. And I'm not trying to make this the Greg Roman bash show or anything like that. Yeah. But you, you just saw a lot of things in this game that have led all of us to say that he needs to go. Uh, it, it's just the play call and sequence, the things of just getting too cute. I mean, this yeah. is the last yeah. offense in the NFL that should be getting too cute. They should be the most blandest offense. The basic, the basic B offense. It it should literally be, you know, we're going to run the ball, but we're going to do it anyway because you can't, you can't stop me. And instead of being that team, because that's who you pride yourself on being, that's how you built your roster. You built your roster to be this team that dominates on the ground. You built your roster to be the best rushing offense in the NFL. Why do you continuously? fight who you are I don't I don't understand it um because they'll tell you they got all the they built this offense to for Greg Roman system and then Greg Roman will get out there and call the game as if he's got the Chiefs offense or yep. something like that I I just it's a huge disconnect right there um and I I feel like too many times whether it's the players being let down by the coaches or the players letting letting each other down due to their execution. It, it's just been a lot of that. And for them to lose the way that they lost Sunday night, it, it, it really is a symbol, I think, of how this season has gone for them. You think back to the early part of the season where they're dominant leads and they still find a way to lose those games. The Ravens have found ways to lose all season yep. and it just so fittingly they found a way to lose in the postseason as well yeah I agree I want to go back to something to the whole thing that JK said because we, we know that there's a couple of comments out there and and you know one of the things that he you know said was that obviously he was pissed about the fact because he 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 could not understand why he was not getting the ball again like you said after he scored uh especially the effort that he had you know but then once again he doesn't even get the ball um he also made another comment that I didn't care for about you know well if Lamar was playing we'd have won and I think that you know I think that we all think that I don't think that you 
you I think that that's very unnecessary for you to say. I don't think you should be throwing your teammates under the bus. But I think that that's a lot of um, immaturity on J.K.'s part. Um, that being said, I don't I don't I, I understand his frustration. I understand why he feels the way that he does. And, you know, I think that, you know, you you look at his career's uh, numbers and he hasn't gotten more than 17 carries in a game. At minimum, J.K. Dobbins should get 20 carries in a game. And, yes, we know that you gave Gus Edwards an extension. And I don't care about that. I don't care about any of that if I'm trying to win a playoff game. Gus will be fine. OK, Gus was OK a couple weeks ago when you didn't see when y'all complained about not seeing Gus Edwards a couple weeks ago in the Steelers game. We was just we was doing just fine in, in that regard. So if you had to take a couple of Gus's carries away in order to get JK um, some carries, then that's what you needed to do. But you didn't even have to do that, because like you already mentioned, Cordell, there was some plays in there that you was just giving up the people that made no sense when you should have just given it to your running backs to begin with. So. His frustrations are completely understandable. I have a problem with how he goes about doing it because I think sometimes that he says things that are detrimental to the team that he plays for. Uh, but I understand. I, I complete. But I understand though. I, I understand when you are passionate about something and you feel like you can make a difference on a team, particularly a team that that's supposed to be a running team, then you feel the way that you do. And so the Ravens got a lot of soul searching to do because no way you sit here and talk about how proud you are to be this offense that runs. And what they'll try to say is, well, we still ran more than we passed. And that's fine. Yes, that's what you were supposed to do with a backup quarterback. Let's start there. You don't get cookies for doing what you were supposed to do. But what you were supposed to do is allow your best players to get the ball. What happened in the Giants game earlier? We saw Saquon Barkley continuously get the ball, whether it be in the passing game, whether it be in the running game. He's literally their best player, and they don't care if you know it. They don't care if you try to defend it. They're going to give Saquon Barkley the ball at all costs. If J.K. Dobbins and Mark Andrews are two of your best players on this offense, they are the two people who should be getting the jar the majority of the work and everybody else can be sprinkled in between and that's how I feel about that and the Ravens to me it's a fireable offense from Greg Roman because you clearly were here to create an offense that was run design that went to Lamar's strengths okay and then you got Tyler Huntley, who has a similar game to Lamar in terms of like running the ball and such right then you find ways to not do that you haven't really been consistent with doing that, honestly, Cordell, for the last two seasons. Yeah. He hasn't been consistent and just trying to stay with the run. And you don't have the personnel to be passing the ball the way you'd like to think that you do. So there's a big problem here. You already mentioned that there's a disconnect, but there's a big problem here with uh, – players doing what they think that they should be doing. And I'm talking about Tyler Huntley instead of just doing what they should have been doing and the play calling and not getting your best players in position to be those guys that lifts you up when you need them to, because if the Ravens score, if they score seven points there and then not turn that ball over, you got to believe that you completely take the wind out of the sails for the Bengals. You got to believe that because they didn't, they do not see that coming. Yeah. At all, yeah. they are over cocky, and yes, I, I, I confident. 
I don't think that this is a confident team. I think that they're over cocky team. Mm -hmm. I think that they thought that they that this was going to be easy. And by easy, I don't mean that they thought that they were going to dominate. It's a division rival. That's that's never going to be easy. But I definitely thought that this was going to be just an easy situation for them to move on to the next round. Control. Yeah, they yes. thought they'd be able to control the game. They didn't think yes. it would get to the point to where it was where the Ravens had got to the goal line and it's like, oh man, they got all the momentum. Yeah, they score here. I mean, now the now they're back, back to the Cincinnati. Wall. Yeah, because now Cincinnati's got to go get another touchdown just to tie the game. And this is a defense that has had their number all season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think that they thought that they'd be in that position to where they were really in risk at risk of losing yep. the game. Because I, I, I truly believe that the Ravens are able to punch it in right there. They they win they the win. game. They win. They um, win. I I just it, it's tough because I know Tyler Huntley is well liked in the locker room. Um, I just would I I just wonder how people. It, it's just tough as a teammate, I would think, to deal with him after the game because you're you're naturally frustrated. Of course, you know what, you know what the call was. You know what he was supposed to do. And then you see what he does and then what the result was. And it's like, man, I mean, and, and then to see Mark Andrews running down the field, trying to get the stop. And we talked to him in the locker room and he's like, you know, his mentality was just keep playing, try to somehow get tackle the guy and let your defense get on the field. And maybe the defense holds them to three and, you know, they still got a shot, which is very, very possible. Or even get um, a block in the back called. Yeah, I mean the, nice. the block in the back, Paul. The, the black and block in the back call. It is. I just wonder, just being a teammate in the locker room. I don't know how I would have responded, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I like to think I'm a naturally nice guy and I'm a, a mature guy, but man, that that's going to test it. That that's going to test how good of a teammate you are. Uh, when you see a guy kind of go roll <laughs> the way Tyler Huntley did, and it. <laughs> ultimately ends up costing you your season. I don't I don't know what you can say to a guy like that um at that time, but the, the, they're their own worst enemy. You know, the Ravens have been their own worst enemy all season. Yeah. This is just, this is just what they've been. They're good. They're good enough, and I think that's almost to a detriment. They realize how feisty they are. They realize how prepared they are for these games. They realize how much they can compete with really any team that they face. And they, and I think it gives them this illusion that they can make these mistakes throughout the game that they can kind of recover from. Yep. And you can't. You can't. You're not that team. You're, you're, you're not that team to be able to go out there and, you know, stink it up for a half or have these mental errors, especially the thing with the Ravens is they all of their mistakes seems to happen in key moments, whether it's coaching or whether it's player execution or whatever it is. It just seems like anytime you make a mistake, it's truly detrimental to the outcome of the game for them. Um, and they're just not afforded the opportunity to do what Buffalo did against Miami and have consecutive right. drives of turnovers. Be, and, and then all of a sudden it's cool. You know, we could, we're going to come back and we're going to score 17 points out of nowhere. It's okay. Like you, you're not afforded that opportunity. Um, they've got a lot of soul searching to do this offseason. I expect this team to look totally different uh, from the, from the coaching staff to the personnel on the, on the field, they're going to have to make a commitment 
uh, to the offensive side of the ball this offseason. We know defensively they're always locked in over there. They're always looking to improve the defense. And I'm sure in their minds they feel like they're also looking to improve the offense as well. But they have got to make the commitment this offseason to putting the offense in the in the in the driver's seat and making it so that they uh that they can uh be the team be the offense that can kind of carry the load for these guys going forward. And before we end this segment, Cordell, I will not, I refuse not to acknowledge the fact that James Prochet had an opportunity to make himself a loved figure in this town after really not contributing much at all this season and still found a way to not do just that. I'm not going to ever, I'm just not going to ever forget it. And I just, I, I don't know how to feel about it because what did we expect from him to begin with? But you had an opportunity to catch the potential tying touchdown to go into overtime and you just didn't. And that really just says a lot about this season as a whole and how, you know, everything just turned out to be. It just, you was good enough, but not quite. Eight times this year when you lost some football games. So I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I can't close the segment. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that because it, and I don't want, I don't want to jump on James Prochet. He's actually a really cool guy. He's, he is nice. You know, he, he engages. But I, I, I don't look, I don't, we don't, we don't care about, we yeah. don't care about nice yeah, old game days. I'm not, sorry. Not, not today. Uh, this is a guy that hasn't made a single play all season, Rita. I mean, a single play. He hasn't made a single play all season. There, you, you can't really put together a James Prochet highlight reel this year <laughs> um, unless it's going to be of his bloopers. And the one, I mean, that if he and I get it, it's a it's a tough play to make, but I would imagine he's back there because that's how they practice it. He's the guy that's there in case the ball is tipped in case the way it was. You know, that's that's I, I, you look at a lot of these Hail Marys. You got the receiver that's initially there to make the play. And then there's always somebody behind the pile that looked like his role. So it's practiced, I would assume. I, I, for a guy that hasn't been able to really help this team at all this year, uh, albeit I will give him credit. I thought he did a decent job as a return guy filling in for Devin Duvernay once Duvernay went down. I thought Prochet filled in pretty well doing that. That said. Um, as a wide receiver, he hasn't been able to help this offense at all this year. He makes that catch all's forgiven. It's just crazy that this guy has not been able to make a single play for this team all year. It's, it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's just been very disappointing how this is going to end. And I just, I, I don't know how the Ravens find a way to bring him back unless it's a special teams situation. So it, it, it just, it just all says so much about the way that this season has turned out. Before we get into our last segment, have you subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast? If not, what are you waiting for? Hit the subscribe button so that every time there is a new episode, you will be the first to know. All right, Cordell, so season is over. Ravens have a 10-8 and 8 season, obviously due to the expansion. Uh, lose in the, the wild card uh, weekend against the Bengals. And how do we, if you had to explain to somebody who, wasn't really sure how to view this team overall for 2022. Mm -hmm. How would you explain what you got from the Baltimore Ravens this past season? Um, 
good but not good enough um inconsistent uh a team that doesn't necessarily that didn't necessarily play to the reputation of the organization you you think of the ravens you think of a team that's fairly sound that you know what you're going to get each each game each year um this team there the, this year there was a couple of times i feel like i questioned their toughness um i feel like there were times that i questioned them their mental you know mentally out there uh god knows we questioned the coaching staff all year and this is a team that did not have the talent needed at the more important positions that matter in 20 in 2023 in the NFL worst receiving core in football, arguably one of the worst receiving cores I've ever seen at the NFL level. Um, the inconsistencies from the team as a whole, because while the defense finished the season really well, we had questions about the defense to start the year. Yeah, And I and credit to Mike McDonald. I mean, he definitely, you know, took the reins and and, and Eric Costa for the and, Roquan yeah, trade. Eric Costa, I mean, and for the Roquan trade, and not only the trade, but also getting Roquan the extent the, the extension yes. done with Roquan yes. before the playoffs started. No doubt about it. Eric deserves a ton of credit for that. That was a huge win. And even the draft class, I thought, was a huge success in his first year for the rookies. I thought Kyle Hamilton played exceptionally well uh, mm-hmm. once he really got into a groove. And he said, you know, when we were talking to him on Monday as they as they were cleaning out their lockers, um, he, he said that he felt like he kind of just had to um, get accustomed to uh, the, 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 the game, the, the, the speed, speed of, of the, the NFL. Yeah. And, you know, he's in a new role playing nickel corner out here for, for, for the Ravens. So it, it's just different uh, for him. So once he really got, you know, accustomed to what was going on, you get, you got to see the player that I think we all thought we were going to get coming out of Notre Dame, Tyler Linderbaum, all the questions about him. He turned out to be one of the best centers in all the, in all the football, you know, so uh, David Ajabo, the jury is still out just like it is on quite a few of these other guys, but, I, I think that overall, like I said, to start this segment, when you think about the 2022 Ravens, you think about a team that is good but not good enough. You think about a team that is going to live off the what ifs all off season again, second year in a row where they're going to lean on what ifs uh, this year. Yet again, it's a Lamar. What if Lamar is out there? Do we win if Lamar plays? Um, what is going to happen with Lamar? Lamar is going to be the center of all of this. Um, but this is a team that, you know, they are the reason their season went down the toilet. They blew the games at the start of the year that basically may open the door for Cincinnati to come steal the division. Yep. Um, they were the ones that chose to basically punt on the opportunity for a home playoff game and go out there with your backups. And I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm just saying these are the decisions you made, you know. Um, I would have liked to see them try a little more in week 18 to see who knows what can happen. You go out there, you steal that game, you get a home playoff game, and all of a sudden, you know, who knows? I mean, I just didn't think that the way that this team had played to this point in the year that they were good enough to just say, 
oh, we, we'll come back to Cincinnati. We don't care about that. We, we good. We can almost come back so. out. The crazy thing is that they almost, I mean, yeah, they almost they, uh, and, wrong and, in that regard. And I, and I get that this is a division opponent, opponent that you're not scared of. I mean, you know these guys well. And ultimately, when you're playing against a division team, it doesn't matter where you play. Um, it does, you know, you can be on the road or at home. And the Ravens historically are a pretty good road playoff team. So I understand. Um, but it's just a lot of small decisions that make up the whole season. And this is a team that came in with high hopes, high aspirations, started the year off looking very good, um, but ultimately ran out of gas. Injuries did them in. Lamar not being there is the biggest one. And the offense just really going downhill even before Lamar got hurt. The offense is going to be the story of the season. I think Greg Roman in this offense is going to be the story, whether they want it to be or not. I mean, they they were not up to par this year. Roman as a coach was not good. This offense talent-wise is not good. The execution was not good. Um, and for a team that has solid run, very good running backs and a very good offensive line, it's just disappointing that they didn't capitalize on their strengths more this year than they did. Yeah. If I had to explain, I would say that this is a team that never really had an opportunity to, to gel together on both sides of the ball at the same time, because when the offense was playing really well, the defense was struggling. When the defense was playing really well, the offense was struggling. Um, there's probably one game Cordell that sticks to my mind that I felt like that they both played good on both sides of the ball and that's the Saints game I can't tell you any other game that I felt like overall both sides played a solid 60 minutes I really yeah. can't tell you and um, that's disappointing um, yes I, I am completely aware of um, the situation of the skilled players that they had losing Bateman was huge and we knew that um, and then eventually you lose Devin DuVernay, which obviously had, had impact as well. But coaching has ways to get past losing people like that because you still had Mark Andrews. You still had a good running game. You eventually got J.K. Dobbins back. Isaiah Likely, we were high on him coming into the uh, uh, tr- after training camp, coming into the season, and yet he still wasn't an active force in this offense. And so um, there's so much to say about that because you, you coached good enough to get to the playoffs and you did so still at the last, what, six weeks without your starting quarterback, you just weren't good enough to beat good teams. Mm -hmm. And that says a lot about you as a coaching staff, because I'm going to say this Cordell, I truly believe that another offensive coordinator, a better offensive coordinator, I don't know who that is, I'm just generally speaking, a better offensive coordinator would maximize the talent that this team had going into this game and found a way to come out with a win. Number one, they'd probably give J.K. Dobbins more than than the carries that he had, so there's that. But also I think that there would have been different schemes in which they would have just allowed guys to to get open. And um, you you, because you got to find a way to – scheme past the weaknesses of Tyler Huntley. And so what did they do that for a, a good part of the, the, the playoff game? Yes. 
the things that that they did bad on though they stick out like a sore thumb that's mm -hmm. the problem you know the the trying to give mark andrews a, a, a rush the you know the the plays that you made you know that play that they had where he they tried to throw the ball opposite field to mark andrews well now you got to use your timeout yeah. because and then your last timeout and so now you do got to throw the ball the next two times because you can't you can't run the ball at that point the, you know the clock management all of that stuff played a role into what happened and i think better coaching puts your team in a better position in those situations so i think that when the teams find when the sides of the ball finally got together they weren't together and that's always that's the problem of what this team is and i blame coaching for that yes i blame personnel too because you don't you need more guys on your team than what you had in demarcus robinson and then eventually getting sammy watkins off of waivers you needed more than that however and Deshaun jackson oh and Deshaun jackson who, who they waited who they, they waited right. eventually right. um and i'm sorry probably could have afforded to have them back but you know whatever so you, you, so I do blame personnel in that regard, but I also blame coaching because you have to find a way to maximize the talent that of what you had, and you did not do that. And you did it on one side of the ball, but you didn't do it on the other side of the ball. And that's the story to me of the 2022 Ravens. Aside from, you know, the Lamar injury, aside from all of that, when it comes down to it, you still found ways to win with or without them. But they were against teams that you should have beat anyway. Yeah. When it came down to you beating teams that you might not have, it's 50-50 chance, you didn't win those games. And so that's a coaching problem to me. And I don't know how they deal with this in the offseason in terms of like, I would like to think that Greg Roman doesn't get re-signed to a new deal. I would like to think that they move on from him. We don't know yet. I don't even know if Harbaugh feels like he's safe. I feel like you might need to have a conversation with him. Am I suggesting that he gets fired? That's not what I'm saying. But I, I, I think that if you're Steve Bashotti, you need to y'all need to have a talk. You gotta say something. Because you you're the head coach. Yeah, you're you the head coach. Them. And so you keep coming into these press conferences saying, well, I would have liked this guy to have more runs. Well, I would have liked this to happen. Stop throwing Greg Roman under the bus. You are the head coach. Right. You yeah. are the head coach. It's 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 a lot of things. Definitely the coach, you know, I, I'm not necessarily saying that I think Harv should be fired, but I agree. You You do need to have a conversation. And I think at this point now, he is probably one of the coaches that's, I would have, I would consider on the hot seat As going into be. next season. You know, um, if he As is, he uh, this team has had one playoff win since 2012, uh, and I, I just no, or two, 2014, two wins since 2012, two wins. one two. once since 2014. Yes, um, and, and so you know, this is this isn't a team that has necessarily been, you know, close, but no cigar or anything like that. The Ravens are a good regular season team. They're good enough to make the playoffs pretty much every year. That's going to happen. Um, but to get into the playoffs is no longer good enough. No. You know, you, you, you gotta, you, this is a city that's used to being contenders, championship contenders. And yep. right now the Ravens aren't that. And I get not having your starting quarterback is going to play a role. It's going to play a role for any team, but they weren't looking like a Super Bowl caliber team even before Lamar got hurt. I it's agree. Way before that. So I do think that it's time to have a, a conversation with 
with uh, with Harps. But I also think DaCosta's got to look himself in the mirror as yep. well because the personnel that they decided to go out there with on the offensive side of the ball was not fair to any coach. They had the worst receiving core in the league. They decided to trade Marquise Brown and not replace him in any way, shape, or form and put all of your eggs into the Rashad Bateman basket who got hurt in his rookie year and he gets hurt again this year. And I mean, and then Devin Duvernay's there. I guess he goes up to number one wide receiver one, and he's barely touching the ball. Bateman was barely touching the ball before he went out. Granted, a couple drops here and there, but these guys weren't getting the volume that most number one wide receivers get. So I, I just think that they are going to have to start taking some of the positions that they haven't taken seriously in the past way more serious now. Meaning the wide receiver position. You have to go get this dude some qualified weapons. If yep. Lamar's going to be here in Baltimore for the foreseeable future, I know one of the things he's going to want is more weapons on the outside. As he should. You can't just give him Mark Andrews and say that's enough. Um, the fact that they weren't even able to find a way to get Isaiah likely going out there with Mark Andrews, it's just mind-blowing to me. Yep. And, it's almost malpractice uh, <laughs> what they have at the wide receiver position. How do you not find a way to utilize both of your tight ends if that's what you're going to do? But whatever, they they have to fix this wide receiver position. And it can't be, oh, we're going to go draft a guy. No, they got to go get somebody that has done something in this league. They have to go get a sure thing, uh, to a sure number one guy to give their generational quarterback a chance to be the player that we all think he can be. Um, right now, it's tough for Lamar to be great or Lamarvelous, whatever they like to use as the slogan for him, uh, without any premier talent on the outside. And Bateman is not enough for, you know, Bateman is a, I think would be a very good number two, but if, if they going into, if they're going into next year with Rashad Bateman as their number one receiver, they're in trouble. And yeah. that's not a knock on him. It's just the reality. Yep. He, has, he, he, you got to get somebody out there that's done something. He hasn't done anything yet. Yeah. And so that's the story of the season, man. I mean, coaching personnel and, and quarterback play um, has been what has essentially not closing out games. Not, not closing, closing well, out well, games. And, and look, in the beginning, that was the problem. But in the end, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm not going to, you know, because I know people talking about the Steelers game and the second game. Look, I cannot keep asking a defense to, to keep continuously putting up the, the slack. The offense has to score points. And we know without Lamar, they don't score many. So that's a problem. And again, like you said, you are in a position you can add. Isaiah likely to the field with Mark Andrews because you are already lacking guys out there. And yet somehow y'all still really didn't find a way to get both of those guys in the group at the same time in the same game. So, you know, it, it's very interesting. So much needs to change in order for them to get better. And, you know, we'll find out soon enough how they're going to do that, how they're going to go about that. At some point, we're going to have the end of the season press conference. Will he, will Bashadi be there this year? Because he's kind of been AWOL the last couple of times. We'll mm -hmm. find out, but we'll see what happens here. As of right now, Greg Roman is not under contract for the Ravens. His contract expires with the season. So do you bring in somebody else? You should. Um, do you find a way to get some weapons? You should. Do you try to find to, a way to sign, re-sign Lamar Jackson? I feel like money change, money can fix anything, and, and I stand by that. Whatever issues they got going on, Cordell, money can change all of it. 
Mm-hmm. It, it literally is what's going to bring everybody together. If you pay somebody what they think that they're worth, or at least somewhere close enough, I think that you can repair any issues yep. that you've had with your guy. And so that's what I think it, it is, is how this season went. And they have enough talent, I think. Um, they just need to tweak some things here and there to compete in 2023. But we gotta, we'll gotta, we find out if the Ravens are actually going to be able to make those moves or are they just being uh, just good enough with just making the dance and not actually participating in the dance long term. So we will find that out as this offseason unfolds because we're officially in, in Ravens offseasons mode um, right now. Cordell and probably myself will eventually be – at the uh, end of the year press conference, we'll, we'll figure out what's going on and whatever news we get from that point up, we'll be able to talk about it. So we want to say thank you to everyone who has listened to the Winning Drive podcast this season. I mean, it's we've we've been through some things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a ride. Yeah. But it, it's been an interesting ride, but it was never not entertaining. Can't mm-hmm. ever say the ride wasn't entertaining, Cordell. Right. So yeah, fun, fun for us. I don't know about how fun it's been for the team, but you yeah. know, definitely entertaining, definitely cool to do. Um, and you know, uh, that like you said, I really appreciate everybody who's locked in with us, subscribed, and went back and checked on us uh, and checked out every episode that we put out this year. Or even if you checked out just one episode, really appreciate all of y'all. Yes, we thank you so much for your support. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive. Mm-hmm.